supreme need of our time is for men to learn to live together in peace and harmony. I have directed the continued and increased close surveillance of Cuba and its military buildup. This is a strong nation. This is a compassionate nation. This is a decent nation. And this is a nation that will not let terrorists change our way of life. And with eyes fixed on the horizon and God's grace upon us, we carried forth that great gift of freedom and delivered it safely to future generations. Ilhan Omar is probably the most controversial congressperson in American history. She has been on the attack with anti-Semitic tones and pro-Islamic sentiment. Given this new path that she and others in Congress have taken, it's not surprising that we have a new candidate that is willing to throw her hat into the race. Republican Danielle Stella, a teacher in special needs from District 5 in Minnesota, has announced that she will run against the contentious Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. 2020 will be a heated election year for contentious representatives in a bid to take back America from the extremist left. Joining me today from Minnesota's 5th Congressional District is Danielle Stella. Danielle, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you for having me on, Joshua. Absolutely. It's definitely my pleasure, and I'm sure all the listeners are really excited to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, one of the questions I wanted to start off with is, do you remember what your defining moment was to run against Dilhan Omar? The defining moment was in April. I it was a it was a cultivation of several things that got me really concerned politically with veterans and how our veterans' needs were not being met. And I had reached out to her time and time again, and I was ignored. But in April, a very tragic thing happened here in Minnesota at the Mall of America. A five-year-old boy was thrown at the Mall of America over 40 feet, and it happened right before my birthday, and that affected me deeply, and I noticed Ilhan didn't address it, neither did any other Minnesota politicians, and that got me very upset because I was reaching out to them to ask them to please bring some awareness to Landon and his recovery. Yeah, that was an incredible moment, I think, for all of Americans, because it's just not something that normally happens. And to think that she wouldn't even address that in her own community is pretty shocking. Yes, he is recovering in our district still. And this happened back in April, and now we're in June. You know, on that topic, what are some other reasons that you think that Ilhan Omar is unfit to continue or represent your district? I have many reasons that she, she is unfit. I really do not like how she is so anti-Trump. And often she will not even address him as the president or even Trump. She just says the individual. And it's just very, very disrespectful of our president, which bothers me. She wants to abolish ICE, defund Department of Homeland Security, and bring in more people when we're not even taking care of the people we already have here in our district. We have people who are living in 10 cities in Minneapolis over this last winter, and it was very, very cold. And February was the snowiest winter that we've had thus far. And she doesn't seem to care about the people suffering in our district currently, but she wants to bring more people in. Yeah, definitely. And there's also many children going hungry one in three children in the Minneapolis Public School District go hungry. And now we started summer break and we need to be making sure every child has, has food to eat. You know, and I, I did read up on some of those things, uh, homelessness and welfare abuse. This sounds like this is, you know, all connected in things that she hasn't even considered to address. Exactly. And then the things that she does choose to say are very disrespectful and offensive to many people. She made a recent, a recent attack on the Latino community suggesting that they wouldn't be able to pass a merit-based immigration plan. And she's the only one that thinks that they wouldn't be able to pass that. And then nobody else agreed with her on that. And she makes hateful remarks towards the Jewish community. 
and she's made hateful remarks to conservatives, especially those of us who are pro-life. She suggests that we're hypocrites and we don't really care about the babies. Yeah, considering that it's the left that's pushing even after birth termination. Uh, so that, those are you know, pretty loaded words you know, coming from Omar. And her anti-Semitic remarks, uh, which was the 9-11 issue that, quote, some people did something, end quote. That, that really, really upset myself and many, many Americans because I believe the majority of America was, was terrified of the events on 9-11. And many of us do have a loved one that has either served our country or maybe is still serving our country. And she, she makes bad remarks about our troops. She makes bad remarks about the first responders. And 9-11 was a horrible tragedy that occurred. It's not some people did something. That is very demeaning for her to, to reduce it to that. Just like how she says about the Battle of Mogadishu in Somalia, when American soldiers were killed, rescuing refugees in Somalia and bringing them food. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the Muslim or Islamists uh, in the country, uh, Omar is not exempt from any of the groupings, that they're very specific about what Americans did or their feelings about Americans and capitalism. But when it comes to taking responsibility for their religion, they really don't. I agree with you on that. But I also want to express that I, I do have concerns for the Muslim community because I've spoken to several here in Minneapolis and they're concerned that perhaps they might be getting grouped in unfairly with Ilhan when they don't share her views. They all want to pursue the American dream just like us. And that's what it's all about. And that's really how you start to distance yourself, you know, from others is to, to declare your stance or to be American really is to be there for each other, have pride in the nation. And to hear that people are really doing that, I think is going to resonate, you know, with a lot of voters. And we should all take pride in our country. We should happily have the American flag and we should happily say, the Pledge of Allegiance and teach that to our children at home and in the school and teach them why it's important to say it, the symbolism behind the words. Lately, there's been people saying that they're offended by the American flag, and that's upsetting to us. We should be mm -hmm. very proud of the history of our country and what our country stands for. Definitely. I mean, you know, when growing up, we all did the Pledge of Allegiance in school, national anthems for any of the sporting events or, you know, pep assemblies, rallies. And I think that there's a lot of younger, you know, groups that are starting to come in that they don't understand it because their generation, they didn't have to do that. And it makes a huge difference in society of who has pride and who doesn't. And that's something we can all share. It doesn't matter what our religious makeup is. We, at the end of the day, we're all Americans. And that is important. And we, I, I care about my fellow Americans. And I, I care about our youth. They're the future for our country. And it's scary, the world that we're living in right now, where the media is so biased against conservatives and against our president. I don't, I don't like that that message is being sent to our children, and I don't like that somebody could get harmed in the public by wearing a Make America Great Again hat. Mm -hmm. It used to be really frowned upon to talk ill of the president, and now we have grown-ups that all they do is talk ill of the president, and they even bring young Baron Trump into their mean comments, and that's upsetting. Yeah, kids and kids are off limits. You know, adults can argue. I agree. They can have their disagreements, but children are not the place. And, uh, you know, Omar has made her comment before that she has called Trump her biggest nemesis. And really, it's questioning of why is he your nemesis? Why are you not supporting a president that has drastically changed America for the better? And I'm concerned about that as well, because her, her job is to work with the president 
and her Twitter feed is full of hateful comments towards our president, and I have yet to see anything positive posted about him from her, and that's just uncalled for. He has been working very, very hard for our country, and I'm proud of him for keeping his campaign promises despite all of these ongoing investigations with no merit to them. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a good example of this is that, you know, yourself and your campaign, you have not made any um, unnecessary comments or remarks. You and your campaign have stayed very precise to the point. There hasn't been name calling, um, religious or, or uh, you know, uh, any comments towards a person or creed or anything like that. And I think that that definitely is an example that all of Congress should be following. Thank you. We, we try to keep it positive and we want everybody to feel like their voice will be heard. We need somebody that will listen to everybody in Minnesota District 5 and care about each individual person and make sure that they're well represented in Congress. That's what the whole purpose of this position is. And I, I believe in being positive and it's really inspiring to be around other positive people. And so I, I hope to be a little ray of sunshine for people and make them comfortable to speak with me about what they are passionate about. Yeah. Well, you're definitely on the right track. Um, <laughs> you know, that some of the other topics I know that do have some meaning to you, um, your stance on second amendment Uh, and and the NRA, um, as well as as ICE. And we know Omar is against ICE. Uh, How do you feel about those two programs? The NRA, I support the NRA, and I also support the Second Amendment. And I, I, I really think that it is, we need to be sticking to our constitutional rights. And I, when people are trying to say, like Ilhan Omar, she'll talk about the latest shooting, but those are all in gun-free zones, like a government building, a church, or a school. So more gun regulation is not going to make the world a safer place. For example, look at Chicago. I have um, family members in Chicago who are in law enforcement. They are detectives, uh, some homicide detectives, and police officers. And Chicago has some of the strictest gun laws in the entire country, but it's where the majority of gun crimes occur. Mm-hmm. And it's been a push from the left to try to impede upon the Second Amendment. And there's already enough pla- there's already enough steps in place to become a responsible gun owner. And I I don't think we need any more rules to prevent to prevent anybody from being able to protect themselves. And I would suggest that we should have a national standard ground gun law so that people have the right to protect themselves without having to fear going to prison. Right now in Minnesota, you're expected to retreat from danger. And that doesn't seem very practical in my opinion. No. No, I would have to agree with you on that. And I can relate a bit to uh, to your background as well. I mean, both of my parents are retired highway patrol. Uh, and I did a podcast about this a couple of weeks ago because I talked with my mother. Um, she was shot while in the line of duty and she lived to tell about Ooh. it. Um, and she still supports the Second Amendment and gun rights. So it's because she knows the fundamental issue. Now, the one thing that a lot of people do talk about but isn't really talked about in Congress is third-party gun sales. You know, if you had a, a firearm and you sold it to me, I don't, the, a, uh, the ATF won't even record the transaction. And that's probably one of the biggest loopholes that we could close while everything else, like you said, we really don't need to mess with it. And I think, all of the responsible gun owners would be willing to do that. And I also don't think that the responsible gun owners are the people who are at risk of committing these violent mm-hmm. acts because to be a responsible gun owner, you need to, 
take the classes and become certified and apply for a license and register your gun and register your permit to carry and your permit to purchase and all of that's pretty well regulated and I feel like the Democrats and the far left are saying all or nothing and it's they could personally be against guns but in the case of an emergency and they need to call somebody for help, they're going to call the police, and the police carry guns. However, the police might not get there in time, not because they don't want to come save you, but because they might be held up at something else, like a car crash. Mm-hmm. And, and I was a victim of an attempted murder in 2008. Wow. And I wish I would have known back then that I could have protected myself. And I wish I would have known that growing up so that I could have attended gun gun safety courses before then. But after that incident, I did attend gun training classes and it helped me regain more of my confidence and to recognize that I am a powerful young lady and I can keep myself safe. That's amazing. Uh, it, you see, and, that, and that's the thing. You can't rely on somebody else to protect you. And as an example, the county that I live in here in Arizona, uh, I'm fairly rural. It's a 20-minute response for the sheriff's department. 20 minutes, wow. that's a long time. You know, if they're not in the immediate area, like you said, if they're on another call and they're out of the area, in that 20 minutes, a lot can happen. Yes, in that type of instance, their seconds make a difference. Yes. And I'm I'm not suggesting everybody needs to become a gun owner. It's up to them to have that personal choice, whether to or not. But they shouldn't try to trample over the Constitution and make unfair laws. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, I think, is on the left. You know, our forefathers gave us rights for a reason. And it's because we came out of the Revolutionary War. And we learned that it is important to be armed, not just for military purposes, but to fend off an attack. And the biggest thing that's concerning to me, and I don't know if you feel the same way, uh, if the left wins and they take guns away from the people, the chances that America will stand are very slim. I agree with you. And I'm also concerned that the left isn't realizing that a criminal is going to be a criminal regardless of what weapon they have available to them. Mm -hmm. If they're not available to get a gun, they will get a knife. Or like with Landon Mass in April, they just threw him 40 feet off off of the balcony. People who are criminals, they don't follow laws, and they don't go through the necessary channels to follow laws. Mm-hmm. They don't register the guns. They buy them off the street to commit crimes. And I feel like we're always going to have a problem with crime. And even if they take everybody's guns away, there's still going to be weapons that are brought in somehow. You're and spot on. We should, we should all be able to defend ourselves. And especially in these times when there is so much crime. Here in Minneapolis, the crime, I saw a report compared to last year at this time, crime has gone up 80%. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's outrageous. And you know, an, and, a, an example of that, uh, England, which banned guns in 1997, uh, their crime rates have risen every year since. We don't, we don't need that. We don't need more people to be victims of crime. That, that causes PTSD. I, I have PTSD from the experience of being a victim of the pencil murder. And that wasn't caused by a gun. That was caused by somebody's hand. And I almost died from somebody's hand. So to me, safety is a huge concern. And I, I think that we need to stick to the Constitution and we need to respect it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there for there's a reason. Other countries, there's other countries who don't have the right to defend themselves, and they are more prone to have dangerous things happen to them. Like Venezuela, they don't have the ability to, to defend themselves, and now they're suffering because of socialism. 
Yes. Yeah, it, it all spirals, you know, and there's a reason why America stands the way it is today. And that's because nobody can take it away from us. And I, I will continue to fight for that because I, I believe that that is part of what makes our country great. And then for your other question about ICE, I, I am grateful for the people who work for ICE, the men and women who work very hard to keep our country safe. And I feel sad for them that they get so much negativity online and hateful comments. But really what they're trying to do is they're trying to look out for every, everybody in America. They are looking out for our youth. They're looking out for men and women. And when we have people crossing the border illegally, oftentimes they're bringing weapons with them. They're bringing drugs that could cause death. And they're trafficking, human trafficking and sex trafficking. And they did DNA tests on the border and over one third of the children were not who the parents said that they were. They were coming with unrelated adults. Yeah, the numbers are, are changing monthly as they find out more and more of who's actually crossing the border and they're having the investigations. But there's also been uh, busloads of asylum seekers or immigrants that they're allowing in for whatever reason. I mean, if they, they qualify for one of the American laws, that's legal. Uh, but, you know, we're talking busloads. You know, so yes, it's, and President Trump has cared about this for many years. And now the Democrats are starting to say, we have a problem. But they're not doing anything to fix this problem. And I don't think any American wants anybody to be suffering unjustly. I don't think there's any American who takes joy in the fact that there's children that have died crossing the border because they weren't, they weren't cared for ahead of time. I think the majority of us Americans really care about children and we are deeply saddened when, when a child is taken too soon. But we need to do something to fix this problem because there's not enough space for all of the people crossing the border. And President Trump is trying, but he also needs every man and woman in Congress to work with him to make a change. Exactly. Uh, and, and as you said, every person that comes into the United States, it displaces something or someone. And if you have an unregulated amount of migration, let's say instead of a million a year, which we allow in, Let's say we take it to 5 million a year. Well, that's now 5 million people a year that you have to account for in jobs, financial assistance. You know, everything costs money. And housing. And mm -hmm. housing. And here in Minnesota, we're having our population of homelessness is growing. And we had people living in actual tent cities over this last winter. And then they moved them to a bigger tent city. And some Minnesotans were very disrespectful and complained, and they said they didn't want to see a tent city when they were driving to and from work. But they, these are human beings who had no place to live. And I was reading an article about how the, the housing crisis is going to worsen later this summer, and our housing is going to start matching Seattle and Los Angeles and New York City. So our housing prices are going to go way up and it's just going to cause even more homelessness. So where are all these people going to live? And I, I'm very concerned because winters in Minnesota are very, very brutal. And the news will say you need to be fully covered up when you go outside because less than 10 minutes you'll get frostbite and you can lose your limb doing that. Mm -hmm. And these people are living out there and some of them are veterans and that breaks my heart that these men and women who served our country, they come back home and then they don't have somewhere to live. That, that's not right. Yeah. You know, you, you brought that up earlier with the, uh, the lack of care for the veterans, which I come from a military family and it's important to me. And, it, you know, the, the veterans are here, the homeless, like you said, all of these counts are continuing to rise. And the only thing that seems to matter to, and I won't say all, but most of the left, is they want the immigration votes. 
they won't even take care of Americans that need it. Yes, and they ignore the problems, and then they they want to cause more problems. They want to say, as part of a lot of the Democrats running against President Trump, they want to say free everything to everybody. They want free socialized health care. They want free college education. But why why are they promising these things and not taking care of the children that are hungry? Like, there's churches that have been donating meals, but it's not enough to meet the demand. And then they want to say, oh, conservatives don't care about the children at the border. We're just trying to bring their attention to to immediate problems we have in our state and other states, too. Yeah, it's it's one of the old sayings. Um, you cannot take care of others until you've learned to take care of your own. And that is very true. That That is very good advice. Now, this is leaving us with a good opportunity to go into health care. Um, again, something that's being given away, like you said. People come in, it's being taken advantage of. What do you think about health care initiatives and what could we do to make it better? I've spoken with several doctors about this and they explained how detrimental socialized medical care would be and it would make the time to wait to get to be seen by a doctor. It would drastically prolong it and in medical care, the sooner you're treated, the better before something progresses. And we know that the ACA was extremely flawed and rushed from the beginning we want proper legislation that helps assist with providing health care for everyone. And we want to fix the, the health care for our veterans. They deserve great health care. And people are taking politicians' words for it about how they think the VA is run for, for our veterans. But they're, they're listening to somebody who has never even gone to the VA for health care. I've talked to many, many veterans, and they are who inspired me to get involved and to advocate on their behalf. Our veterans, they have to go to the VA to receive their health care, and they're made to wait months and months and months. Some people have had to wait years, and then they have to jump through many hoops to get something like physical therapy covered. And then when they are seen, they're seen for five minutes or less, and I read a report that some of the doctors that work at the VA are doctors that used to work at other hospitals but then received complaints and formal formal written up things that they have done wrong in their career as a doctor. We need somebody who could take good care of our veterans. And I would suggest that we add even another layer to that separate from the, the physical health care, but add a mental health care plan for the veterans and have it some doctors who are trained in trauma and have more resources available for veterans who are suffering from PTSD because it changes your life and society is not set up very nicely for people who do have PTSD and I do like those dogs that are prescribed for veterans with PTSD but they're they're not covered under insurance, and some of those dogs are twenty thousand to twenty five thousand dollars. That is a lot of money for a dog, but it would help the veterans. Mm-hmm. And our children need to have health care, and we need we need to work together to pass legislation that is also listening to the doctors because they're the ones providing the health care, and we need to. We need to provide health care, but not a socialized health care where everybody has to wait to get seen and then the doctors are overworked and underpaid because that might discourage doctors from even becoming doctors and going to med school. Yeah, it's such a complex thing that um, I don't understand how most of the politicians are just saying, we're just going to give this to you and we're just going to allow this. Like you said, all of these things that you've already listed for us, they take time and care to implement. And it's more important that the veterans get the attention first. Uh, I I live near the oldest VA hospital in the country. 
it wasn't always the VA, but it was a military hospital. Uh, and it was founded just after the war ended in the Civil War. And a lot of people come here because it's a very large facility. And there's a, a friend of mine, his roommate is going through cancer treatment right now. And he's been diagnosed with stage four cancer. And wow. he can't even get the chemotherapy started. And it's been two months. And that is what is so upsetting. And then people take Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez's word that veterans have the best health care. But that is not true. And that's lying to the American people. And I, I have a lot of veterans in my close circle. My closest friends are veterans and served our country. And my pop-pop, who helped me become the young lady I am today, he is a veteran. And he just celebrated his 90th birthday last month. And we need to do much better for our veterans. It makes me feel sad and guilty when I'm able to access a, a doctor who specializes in trauma. And I asked her if she's able to treat veterans, and she can't because they have to go through the VA. And I wish that they were able to access somebody who specialized in trauma and just gave them support because right now we're losing 22 heroic veterans per day here in our country. We're not losing them from war. We're not losing them from old age. We're losing them because they have lost all hope. They served our country. They survived war. Then they came back here and we let them down. And I don't want us to continue to lose heroes every day. I want to help our veterans. I want them to know that we're listening and that Americans love our veterans and we support them and i encourage everybody who listens to reach out to our veterans in our community and to thank them for their service and with it being the fourth of july coming up here in minnesota this will be the first year that it's legal to have all fireworks and i just think that people should be a little bit aware of how ptsd affects somebody mm -hmm. who has either been in combat or somebody who's been a victim of a violent crime such as myself. Yeah. Sometimes a, a door slam somebody. can set someone off. Yes. Or somebody knocking at the door. Sometimes people knock like they think you can't hear. And if somebody's not expecting it, things like that can catch you off guard or at the grocery store, people bumping into you. Like I feel like many people are always on their devices these days and not paying attention and they may not purposely be triggering somebody's PTSD, but they are. And it's just little things that they could do to be a little bit more, more caring to, to people who serve for our country. And I would go even further and say that that's being American. It's just being kind and aware of others around you. It's just what you should do. And I feel like the politicians need to do a much better job of setting an example of caring about our veterans. I know President Trump does a very great job of caring about our veterans, and he does kind things for our veterans and our fallen heroes. He donated his presidential earnings to rebuild the graves of fallen heroes, and that wasn't covered in the media, and that was very thoughtful and kind. And Ilhan Omar, on Memorial Day, she was busy fundraising for care and it was closed to the press and closed to the public in Seattle. And why was she doing that? And then she made a ridiculous comment on Memorial Day saying, today we mark the graves or something. And that wording was very offensive. We don't mark, mark their graves, we honor the fallen. Right. I had lost a high school classmate of mine. He served several deployments and in 2009, he was killed while on another deployment by an IED. And he went on, after he, was, after he passed, he was an organ donor. So he went on to save 13 other people. And his mom remained so strong through this process. And he has, she wrote a book. And it's just very, very touching. And that's why we need to be very respectful with our words and our actions of our veterans always and the fallen heroes. Because we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to enjoy our lives safely and freely if it had not been for the sacrifices of others.
incredibly wise words. You know, you are, you're very caring about America. And I know every political issue is important to you. What are your top three concerns for Minnesota's fifth district? What do you think is going to be your, your goal? Veterans, I really want to do better for veterans. They were who inspired me to run. I want to make change for our veterans. I want to help the homeless population, including veterans that are homeless, but also including the men and women who are homeless, the children who are homeless and hungry, and to fix something so that they have housing before we go back into another brutal winter. And I also want fair and equal representation for every American and every Minnesotan. I want everybody to be able to express their religious beliefs and safety and to go out in public and not have to worry that they're going to be discriminated against by wearing a cross or even if they are wearing a hijab. I don't want anybody to feel unsafe. We have, that's another thing we have protections for in the First Amendment. And it does, I've had people ask, what about people who are atheists or agnostic? And they are also protected. We have the freedom to religion and the freedom of religion. That's correct. And right now we're having many people who don't care about religion and the politicians are setting a horrible example about religion with their anti-Semitic comments and even anti-Christian comments. And that is not what our country is about. And we shouldn't be removing God from things because it offends people. We need to keep our morals in society. And sadly, in my generation, the morality has started to fade away. And we, we don't want that. We want to, to be a great country. And I'm not saying everybody has to be a believer of God. I respect everybody's individual beliefs. But I don't want anybody to impose their beliefs on another person or try to force conversion on somebody else. That's a very fair point. And I think it even goes beyond religion. I mean, there's so many different groupings of people in America beyond religion and, you know, based on race, creed, sexual orientation, and everybody does deserve the right to be equal as Americans. Like you said, the constitution guarantees equality and we can't force another person you know, like you said, with religion, you, you can't force that on somebody else, but we do need to figure out how to get along. Yes, because at the end of the day, we are all American citizens. And what I've learned from religion by talking to people of different religious beliefs for myself and even attending different religious services other than the way I was raised is that there are more similarities in religions than there are differences. And people like to focus on the differences but essentially we all believe in a higher power and mm -hmm. we should bond with one another that we share that. And we may call God a different name, but we do have that shared belief and we should care about every American citizen and everybody's voice deserves to be heard because everybody makes a contribution to society as a whole. Everybody's life matters. Absolutely. You know, you've, you've given us quite a bit of information. You know, we're, we're getting to know you. You're going into a lot of detail, which most candidates or even sitting politicians wouldn't even do. Let's go a little bit further. Um, you are currently a teacher and yes. you work in special needs. Yes, I do. And I adore them. I, I love working with our children with special needs. And these are some of the most amazing children in the world. They are so smart and they often have a special interest or several special interests that they just love to learn about. There was a five-year-old that I worked one-on-one -on -one with and he was developmentally behind in some of his milestones, but he would have a globe and he would let you spin the globe and put your finger anywhere you wanted. And he would be able to tell you the country's name and many facts about the country at age five. 
And to me, that is truly remarkable. And a different child I've worked with, he was able to tell you every single bone in the human body. And these, they just have a different way of speaking, but they are really, really smart kids. And they love, they love having a routine. And I want to help these children by running for Congress. I want to make it easier for their families to access the care that they need because I am certified in autism and diagnosing autism and treating autism as well as dyslexia and some other special educational needs. And it has been proven that the earlier the child is able to get help, the better they will be. And I've spoken to many families who get so frustrated because there are programs here in Minnesota to help those with special needs, but they have to jump through a bunch of a bunch of steps and then they have to go through red tape and have to go through denials for services that their child is entitled to receive. And I also hope to talk to Minnesota and talk to other people who are considering going into teaching and suggesting maybe we make it easier for all teachers to take at least one course in special education so that people can be a little bit more understanding. Not all teachers are, are patient with special needs children and I think maybe it can come from a lack of knowledge because these kids are great and some, pe some teachers don't wanna work with them. And I think if they knew a little bit more about the diagnosis, then they could be a little bit more compassionate and understanding. Being elected to Congress, do you think that that's going to put you in a much better position to help those with autism? Yes. Yes, I, I believe so, because I, I have been working as a special education teacher for several years, and I also work as a personal care assistant to, to help kids with autism one-on-one. -on -one. So I've, I've worked in the capacity of helping the children and I've worked with their family and gone through some things with the family to help them understand what their child's going through. And I think I would be able to explain this to Congress and to explain how important it is, especially because autism is being diagnosed more and more. So the likelihood of other people knowing somebody with autism is much higher these days. And we all should be more supportive of those with autism. You know, I think the other, the other good part about it is, too, is uh, having a teacher or more teachers in Congress because of the education system. So you really get a two for one um, with you being in Congress because you have the education side and the special education side. I agree. And I, I really like the special education side. I, I worked a little while as a regular teacher, but I just have a special place in my heart for those with special needs. And I think that it's great that you, you think we should have more representation by teachers because I think we also need to stand up for teachers. Teachers are not really appreciated in society either. And a lot of teachers, they, they buy their school supplies for their students out of their own pocket. And many people don't know that unless they are related to a teacher. And teachers do that because we love our students. And there was a quote that stood out to me when I first started working with a special educational needs student. And it says that we teach children for one year, but they become part of our life forever. And that is special to me because I often reflect back on the children that I've had in different years. And it's great to see them progressing, go, go on in grades. But I just, teachers are important to, to society. And I think we need to recognize all professions that are important to society, like law enforcement, our firefighters, paramedics, doctors, nurses, teachers. Everybody makes their contributions. And also the people in the trade industry I really appreciate all of the work they do too. You know, let's circle back uh, to some comments that you made earlier uh, about the suppression of conservative voices. 
uh, big tech companies are openly suppressing conservative voices. You've got Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. The president has made some comments where he is going to now intervene to eliminate that. Do you think that it's possible or are there certain steps that we should be taking to make sure that this doesn't continue? I agree with our president and I, I stand up for the freedom of speech. Just because people don't like what somebody has to say doesn't mean that, that they deserve to have their, their voice silenced or be banned from platforms like Facebook or Twitter. Some people get their news information from Twitter, and then once they're banned, they can't access it again. And it is an unfair system that we have right now. On, um, on Mother's Day, I was on Twitter, and I had shared a pro-life message. And then I was receiving death threats from liberal men. And that's allowed on Twitter. But James Wood was silenced for sharing a poem. Laura Loomer was silenced for saying Ilhan discriminates uh, the Jewish people. And we, we shouldn't have different sets of rules for different political beliefs. And it's a slippery slope. When we start taking away people's right to speak, even though these are private companies, it's, it's the left is celebrating this. But what they don't realize is that each time somebody's voice is suppressed or taken away, it could be theirs next. Yeah, and then that's what people aren't realizing is that once you start a precedence, that allows for the opportunity to have it fired back right at you. So while- and I think that it maybe is coming from people being overly sensitive, but it doesn't really make a bunch of logical sense because the people who are making hateful comments and name calling and bullying, I don't really see that behavior from the conservatives. I see it from the left. Mm -hmm. And I, I advocate for their right to free speech too. I advocate for the liberals to be able to say how they feel, even if I don't agree with it, even if some of their comments bother me, they still have the right to freedom of speech. This is America. We, we are able to express ourselves. Yeah, that's the whole point of being free. And as long as you're not attacking another person or inciting violence or spreading racial slurs, you have the freedom to express your opinions, you know, in a public forum. Uh, but we just have to be self-aware of what we're doing. And we could all work together to be more respectful online. Like we were talking about Baron Trump and how children should be off limits. I think that everybody should come to agreement about not bringing children into online disputes. And we should go back to the golden rule that we learned when we were kids to treat others how you want to be treated. But I, I don't think it's fair to silence people's voices. Or have you heard of doxing? I, I'm only just getting familiar with it. That really bothers me, how somebody can take somebody's picture and then find out all their information and post their address online, their phone number, their loved one's information. That should be enforced by law enforcement because that's putting people's lives in jeopardy. And it's something that is going on online, and I, I don't agree with it. And I'm worried that one day it's going to lead to harm to somebody. Well, we know that it does. I mean, there's been ex-boyfriends and girlfriends that post their ex, uh, you know, their personal information online. And that has led to some incidents, you know, throughout the past, what, maybe say five to 10 years. So now with the political arena as heated as it's getting, like you said, it's, I think it could be much worse than what we've seen on a domestic level. And it's scary. It's scary that this is the world our youth is growing up into. And I'm thankful that we didn't have all of this social media technology when I was becoming an adult. Yeah, we I miss... Way back then. Yeah, when things were simple and... Yeah. You had to call a friend and, you know, leave a message on their voicemail and not send a text. 
things are totally different. They are. And it's it's good in some ways, but in some ways it's been a cost to to our country and a cost to our civilization. There's little kids who are addicted to the screen and they don't play outside like we used to when we were kids. And those are memories that children should have of playing outside, playing sports, so that they can be athletic and pass physical fitness standards. Right now, most of our graduating class from high school, they're not able to pass simple physical standards these days. And that's concerning. Yeah. Well, one of the things I should... For the freedom of speech, I will be attending a rally next month in Washington, D.C. about the freedom of speech. And I'm really excited to support this great cause and to speak at that event. Well, that'll be fantastic. Um, You're also going to be on the Chuck Woolery Show July 23rd. And your website is up, which is Stella2020.com. And I'll have all of those details in the podcast description. Uh, But before we go, do you have anything else that you'd like to add or any final message for America? My final message for America is to stay hopeful. There are many Americans who, who do care and I would encourage other people to get involved with politics and to make a difference, to stand up for our beliefs and to teach our children the beliefs that we have and to reach out to veterans and thank them for their service. And I look forward to interacting more with everybody in America. Danielle, thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope that we can continue to have conversations and and join you on the campaign trail and follow everything through election night. And to everyone that's been listening, thank you so much for joining the American Perspective and my guest, Danielle Stella, running for Minnesota's 5th Congressional District. And until next week, stay free.